The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. Can you explain Easter egg for people listening? What does that mean? Well, it's the thing you don't ever expect to find, but you find them occasionally, and you're really happy when you find them. Welcome, everybody, to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little about Easter eggs again. It's been a while since we've visited on the Easter egg subject. And and Ruben today, when we had pulled up to the uh, studio, he was kind of giddy. He he had found (laughs) a few Easter eggs at a home inspection he did today, which, by the way, what gives? Because this well, is the first home inspection in what fourteen years. I was I was giddy just because I was doing a home inspection. Yeah, I don't okay. do a whole lot of those anymore. All right, yeah. all right. Bill, and, can you explain Easter egg for people oh. listening? What does that mean? Well, it's the thing you don't ever expect to find, but you find them occasionally, and you're really happy when you find them. Okay. And so I don't know, Ruben's going to give a great example of it. So why don't I just put it in your lap and you demonstrate through story. Sure. What an Easter egg (laughs) is. And this is, this is something we talked about on our very first podcast episode. I think we talked about Easter eggs and on our last episode, we talked a little bit about this, about finding buried fuel oil tanks. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things where sometimes you almost trip over it and you go, oh my goodness, I sure am glad I found that. Yeah. And then you're very thankful. Mm-hmm. But we, we thought, let's let's come back to this. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a home inspection with Melind. Long story of why I ended up going along and doing an inspection because I've just about given all my tools away. I'm not even equipped to do a home inspection anymore. But I, I can still I can still hold my own. And and there was <laughs> just there's just a handful of things where it, it just makes my day when I run across this stuff. I mean, for me, in, inside. It makes me feel good to know that we found it. You're glowing, Ruben. Right well, I, I feel that way. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. One of them a was... Inspector Shine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One was the toe kick register in the kitchen. It's a 2007 built home. And on a lot of those homes, you're going to have a little register below the kitchen sink that you got heat or you got cold air coming out of. And we find people seem to mess those things up left and right. It's one of the most common issues we find on new construction homes, but we'll still check them on a lot of other homes. And I I look down and we we always look at where the ductwork connects to the front of the cabinet, because if it doesn't come all the way to the front of the cabinet, you're going to have a bunch of cold air during the summertime, AC. You're going to have a bunch of cool air filling that cabinet space, not making its way out of the register. And it makes for a really cold cabinet. And we've called this out many times. I've got one client who bought a new construction home who had this this condition. I said, yeah, ductwork doesn't come, come to the edge. You can create mold problems, have it fixed. And the builder's like, yeah, your home inspector's an idiot. Huh. We're not fixing that. We do, we do them all this way. Five years later, he sent me the photo of the inside of his cabinet. He's never had a leak. The whole bottom of it is just black and covered with mold. Oof because there's cold air leaking into that space. I I checked my own cabinet. It was one of these 97 degree days in Minnesota just recently. And I had to do something where I pulled all the towels. I I keep a bunch of kitchen towels there, pulled all the towels out. And underneath it, I realized it was wet. And I was like, oh shoot, why is this all wet? But then I, I kept feeling it. No, it's not wet. It's just really cold. Makes it feel wet. 
And did you not find this in the home inspection? Well, this is my own home. I know. I personally taped up that ductwork. It is totally sealed. It just felt that cold uh-huh. because there's a duct underneath there. Mm-hmm. I don't even have air leaking out of there. Just imagine or how bad it you? would be. Well, I, I could, but I mean, I can see it. <laughs> if, if I do have air leaking out, it's going to be minimal. You going to go home and open up your cabinet now? <laughs> All right, I might. <laughs> so, so what's the test you do to see if your ductwork is sealed? Well, I just look at it. I'm not doing any type of specialized testing. Duck blaster test, Ruben. <laughs> Get out of here with your duck well, blaster test. Well, I mean, test. you don't know for sure. It doesn't leak unless you do the test. Well, I, I'm a, my house was built in 2003. I'm assuming my ducks leak like a sieve. Probably. All over the place. Yeah. All right. Now you got to explain <laughs> what a duck blaster test is, Tess. It's a big fan that you hook up to a furnace and you basically can measure the amount of air that's leaking out through the ductwork so you pressurize the ductwork and they they do that on new construction houses they do that on houses where they're concerned about leakage in ductwork so do you seal up one end and then blow it up like a balloon or do you yeah they do they they have to tape off all of the registers all the supplies all the returns so it's a sealed system okay yeah and and how much leakage is allowable that's a good question i wish i knew i don't remember anymore it's been so long well it should be zero it should be. Yeah, it's I, it's I not zero. It's a percentage, isn't it? I don't remember. I, I do know that there's a big difference when the ductwork passes through unconditioned spaces. Yes. Like if you have ductwork running through an attic, mm-hmm. the tolerance is way less. And, and I, actually, maybe do they only have to do the duct blaster test if there is ductwork outside of the thermal I, boundary? That might be the difference there. I think that's it. Yeah. Bill's getting uh, sleepy over there in the corner. Sorry, so let's Bill. Move on. All right, all right. We'll wake <laughs> Bill back up. So anyway, anyway, back to the story. I looked down underneath there. They brought the ductwork all the way to the face of the cabinet. It looked fantastic. I was almost going to take a picture of how picture perfect this was, but then I I, I got down farther. I I'm I'm laying on my stomach here, looking <laughs> underneath the kitchen, just because this there. is what we do. And I get in there with my flashlight, and I go, Oh, wait a minute. No, this is not good. You've got the the duct coming up through the floor and then they've got a big piece of sheet metal coming right over the duct that completely obstructs the whole thing. So they're going to get basically nowhere coming out of Wait, it. Wait, they had it blocked? Yes. With a piece of metal? They had a they had a block with a piece of weird. sheet metal and I will put that picture in this podcast huh. to show you what I'm talking about. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. And so it's just it's one of those things I go, "Oh, I think I'm they were glad I was on it. my stomach with the flashlight yeah. looking underneath here. And it, wow. it's just one of those things where you say, I wonder how many people would have seen this. Did you have the spidey sense, like the tangle, like I need to get down there and look? I totally did. <laughs> I get that all the time. That's why it's such a good home inspector. I had already, I had already looked at all this and then I came back to <laughs> oh it. And I was God. like, wait a minute. <laughs> I wonder what's going on here. Uh, I think yeah. they set him up. They were just <laughs> testing him to see what, see if he still had game. Might have been. Might have been. Yeah. You yeah. passed the test. So All right. So that, that was a fun find. You had something else you were very excited about. The, there was a few of them. There was a light. It just I, I went to flip the light on. And I'm surprised I even noticed this. Now, I, I haven't been out inspecting, but as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, we're wearing masks mm-hmm. during our inspections. We are wearing gloves. I mean, we, we say we'll either wear gloves or wipe down surfaces. Nobody wants to wipe down surfaces. It's a huge pain in the butt. So we're wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing gloves throughout the inspection. And I, I just want to flip the dimmer switch and I just noticed, oh, that's unusually warm. Hmm. Take a look over at the light it's controlling. It's a it's a big chandelier with nine <laughs> light bulbs. Huh. What's the rating on the light bulb? 
get up there, look down at one of the bulbs, 100 watt, mm-hmm. 900 watts. Now, quiz, you 500. guys, what's, what's the standard mm-hmm. that a dimmer switch is going to be rated for? How many watts can it handle is standard? It 600? Oh, with Larry. Is it Larry got Producer it right? Larry is holding up his fingers. Man, Larry, well done, sir. You know your dimmer switches, don't yes, you? Does. How do you know that? All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the standard is 600 watts. So how much draw is on that one circuit with 900 watts? Oh, like like what else is on that circuit? No, no. I'm just saying like how many amps is that light fixture drawing? How many amps? Uh, 900 divided by 120, whatever that is. I don't know. That's seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half amps on that one light bulb? On, one, on one light one fixture, switch? yeah. Wow. So, you know, hopefully the circuit's designed for it. We don't get into that, but I, I do question it when I got a warm mm-hmm. dimmer. And so right away, I just took the screws off the cover plate and take a look at it. And it, this one was actually rated for 1,000 watts. Oh. So no harm, no foul. Hmm. We're cool. But I No, you're, you're warm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're warm. But it, it wasn't a problem. But it was just another one of those little things where, I mean, I've, I've even blogged about this. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how many people are looking at this. Have you ever seen a melted switch? No. Okay. No, I haven't. Okay. No, not yet. Well, you passed the pop quiz because I wanted to know if you could figure do that amperage equation thing quickly. So. Uh, yeah, I, I know what the formula is. You, g- you give me a minute or two, I would have been able to come up with seven point whatever amps you said, but I'm not and that And Tessa passed because she got the 600. No, so that you, was Larry. Well, he, he said 600. You said 500, 600. I couldn't remember. Whatever I, it takes. With one tab removed, is it 500 and two tabs removed, it's 400? That's exactly right. Okay. Yes. Elaborate, Tess. Well, if you change that switch and you remove the little tab on the side, mm-hmm. then it because can handle less wattage. Why would you remove the tab? To get it to fit in the desired location. Yeah, like if you have two of them side by yeah. side. You remove the tabs so they will physically fit in the box, mm-hmm. but there's less heat being dissipated. Mm-hmm. So it's a space issue. It's a it's a heat sink issue. It is. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Yep. Okay. So and there was one other thing that you kind of. Oh, there there was a handful of things. Those were just fun finds. Another one was the air exchanger, and you know we've talked about air exchangers or HRVs, and this is one that I I would hope any home inspector would find, but. I got to believe not everybody's checking this stuff. We had found the intake and we found the exhaust and we had turned the HRV on at the beginning of the inspection, but there was no air coming out. And Malin told me, yeah, I don't think I found the HRV exhaust. I found something, but there's no air coming out. We still got to find that. And I said, oh yeah, you keep going on this. I'll go track that down. And I, I turned the HRV on. There's no air coming out. I go back inside. I'm holding it. I'm like, I don't feel anything running. And I tried everything, and I opened the thing up, and I, I just put my hand inside on the HRV wheel to move it. And normally, you just give it a little push, and it spins. Well, this would not move. And finally, I mean, I pushed really hard on it, and I was able to get the, the wheel to turn, but, I mean, it was just grinding the blower fan. Mm-hmm. So the fan is toast. What <laughs> the was, HRV what is toast. You said 2007? 2007. 2007. Wait, could you hear it? Like, when you flip the switch, you said you turn it on. You, you thought it was on because you could hear it running? I thought it was on because I heard a click. Oh, okay. A call okay. for it to run. All right. Yeah. Because usually you can kind of hear a little humming noise when it's yeah. running. Yeah, and okay. I, I wasn't hearing that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so that leads me to the next question, and I have a follow-up question to the next question. So yeah. wasn't there a time when these HRV motors were known to go bad on a very specific model? There was a brand 
and I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to misstate who it was, but Dwayne, one of the first home inspectors here at the company, I think he even predated you, Ruben. Yeah, he was. Uh, he started with Structure Tech in '96. Gotcha. <laughs> My dad bought this business in '97. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, there is one that had a motor where these motors would go out. But interesting. Summertime, you're running your HRV. I don't run my HRV in the summer. Um, you know, the, the whole idea with the HRV is better indoor air quality and it gets rid of condensation issues. And you don't have condensation issues in the summer. And as far as air quality goes, I keep my windows open all summer long. So I constantly have major air exchanges all summer. So yeah, I definitely don't run mine. But if, air quality, if, if there's a ton of pollen in the air, is subpar. I was going to say, if you've got someone with allergy issues and they keep their windows closed and they keep their AC on, then it would make sense to have your HRV running too, just for air quality purposes. Sure. Are sure. you going to Are you gonna throw a lot of cold air to the outside in that process or no? Maybe. Okay. The, yeah. But... Yeah, there, there will be an energy penalty. I mean, you, you go to that exhaust and you're going to feel cold air coming yeah, out. Probably, no but I mean, I would say minuscule compared to the amount of warm air you're pulling in through all your attic bypasses. Sure. It's 14 windows open, there's there's a lot of warm air coming in. Okay. All right. That was the thing. Because it's always confusing to me about those appliances. Obviously, we run them all winter long. And we run them in the shoulder seasons. But different people will tell you different things. And for example, I run my, my furnace fan all the time until I met Ruben and Tessa. And now I only run it fall through spring. So why is that? the best approach to a comfortable house in the summertime? Well, you're going to increase humidity if you run your furnace fan at the same time that you're running your air conditioner because your air conditioner is going to turn on and off. And every time the AC turns off, if your blower fan continues to run, it's going to take all of that household air and pass it over the evaporator coil for the air conditioner. That's the part that removes humidity from your air. And now it's taking that air and it's passing it over this big wet thing. And now it turns your air conditioner into a humidifier. And so your humidity levels are going to start spiking as soon as the air conditioner shuts off, if you have your blower fan set to on all the time. Gotcha. All right. So you're going to be unintentionally distributing a lot of moisture throughout the air. So don't do that in the summer. Now, there is a wonderful article that explains this. I know it exists, and I know, Tessa, you might know where comes from I can't remember the person's name who did the research but it's a woman's name oh it's a woman it's I didn't say it's a woman it's a woman's name <laughs> oh is it Allison Bales Allison Bales okay yes gotcha mm-hmm. okay so you can look that information up on what is Allison's we'll put a link to it in this podcast sure. yeah okay yeah it's one of those conversations I started having with people when I was doing home inspections about running the furnace fan all year long <laughs> I told people I was told not to do this yeah I'm a good listener yeah, makes sense. <laughs> okay, so Tessa, any Easter eggs you've run across in the... Well, you know, I was thinking back. There was one house I was inspecting a few years back, and it was in St. Paul, and it was for a couple that had been looking for a house for a long time, and they loved the area, and they liked the character of this 19, like, 20s, 1930s house. You know, it had the kind of the standard, like, old house things. We, we you know, we covered a lot of these things in the previous podcast, like... You know, nine by nine floor tiles and knob and tube wiring and stuff, you know, ungrounded 
three-prong outlets, some two-prong outlets, that kind of thing, whatever. They seem to be okay with that sort of thing. But I get down to the basement, and the whole basement is finished, but there's a small section that's missing some ceiling tiles in the utility room. And I had noticed earlier that there had been some kind of dips and sags in the floor on the first floor, which, you know, isn't really cause for concern in a 1920s house. You're going to have some... character. Yeah, it's right. It's character. But, you know, I had noticed some cracking on a wall in one area and this big dip. And so I started looking around to try and get a get a look at the framing. And there was a missing ceiling tile. And so I, I looked up there first. And I couldn't believe it. All of the floor joists were just charred, like just black. Mm. So then I got really curious and I started poking up above some of the other ceiling tiles. And sure enough, there's like splice knob and tube. There's more charring, all this stuff going on. And I was like, oh, man, (laughs) this is what I can see. What can't I see? Yeah. Right. What's happening in this house? So a lot of questionable wiring throughout and then just the evidence of fire and The thing that scared these buyers the most is that the sellers had been there a very long time and they did not disclose a fire. Oh, sure. So I don't know what happened with that. I want to say that they walked away, but I don't know for sure. Maybe they don't remember they had a fire if they lived (laughs) there that long. (laughs) I don't know. That little thing. I don't know. That event in the basement where everything was smoky. Oh, yeah. How many times have you gone into a house and somebody, <laughs> the seller's still home and you're like, okay, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run the furnace. And you're like, oh yeah, that thing's good. I just put it in a couple of years ago. <laughs> you go, and then yeah. you go in the basement and it's like 19 years old. And I'm yeah. like, your time yeah. is different yeah. than yeah. mine. Yeah. Time flies, I guess. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, that was one that kind of uh, surprised me, but I was, you know, really glad that there was a, some missing ceiling tile there so we could find that. But Yeah. Yeah, that's a good find. Yeah. We're all glad you found that. You know what? I think we actually, one of the topics we should talk about are things we found above drop ceilings. Mm, Electrical hazards. Drop ceilings were invented for the express (laughs) purpose of hiding electrical hazards. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's why people came up with those. Well, and they're also very good at marring themselves. So you can't find that electrical hazard without upsetting the people who own the house. Yeah. I, <laughs> damaging a corner, not getting it put back together. They never oh go God. down. You yeah, know what? I, I just remembered when I was in training, I was on an inspection with Dwayne. And <laughs> we were at this house that was kind of on a woodsy property, I remember. And we were, it was like a walkout basement situation. I remember Dwayne lifting up, you know, the ceiling tile with one of his tools, just kind of poked at it. Mm-hmm. He lift up the corner of it and just this like waterfall of mouse poop just came down and just showered him and you know Dwayne wears um love you Dwayne he wears these jean overalls you know he yeah coveralls overalls that's his his trademark it's his trademark just you know went down the bibs like in the bibs just covered in it and took a moment to just kind of wipe off his glasses and put them back on and just dust himself off. And then he just kept going. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never lifting ceiling ceiling tiles. Oh, my gosh. That's one reason that clothing is so useful 
because it'll find its way down to the floor eventually. Ugh. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. It just it goes right there. through. It just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. down from the top to the bottom. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking you get we a should make that like a company uniform. Everybody wear I would. You know what? I would not be opposed. I bet you they're really comfortable. I used to have a pair, of, two pairs of bibs I wore all the time. In, Did you? Like, in like fifth grade, they were my go-to. You call them bib overalls? But yeah, bibs. See, I, I say that too, and my wife yeah. makes fun of me. She's For like, bibs? why do you call them bibs? Really? We're, we're, yeah. I, that's, I don't know. That's what I called them growing I up. Maybe I'm wrong. I call them too. I yeah. bib overalls, but she, yeah, she mocks them. me for it. Loved I, them. I don't get it. Tess, you, you said something that made me think of something else. You, you <laughs> talked about whether the homeowner should have disclosed that. Mm. And maybe they forgot. Mm-hmm. And I had a recent conversation with someone. And Bill, maybe this would be a good one for you. You've got your real estate broker's license. Okay. Therefore. You're you're an expert on this. No, I'm declaring but, um, you an I'm I am declaring you an expert on this. How much should people disclose? Like if you spill a cup of water on the floor, do you disclose that as water damage? I wouldn't. Okay. What about if your kids do a lot of extra splashing and they spill a bunch of water outside the tub during bath time? Do you disclose that? Do you know if there's a problem that's resulted from said splashing? No. No, you don't know that there's a problem from said splashing. Have you taken reasonable measures to prevent said splashing from leaking through the gaps and potentially causing damage? Like, don't let the kids splash anymore? Yep, sure have. Check that box. <laughs> or maybe, you know, bought some caulking and put a bead of caulking there so that, or maybe you throw a towel on the floor. Well, let's just say you haven't. It's hard to know. It's it's hard okay. to know. Everybody's barometer is different, so... Continue, though. Uh, and, and these are all hypothetical that I'm making up. This okay. isn't my personal experience. Okay. I'm just thinking of some ways that you could have water in places where it doesn't belong in your home. Sure. What if the toilet overflows? What if the toilet's clogged, you flush it, and it overflows? Yeah. Then do you, do you disclose that? What measures did you take to clean it up? Well, you, you, you did a bunch of sucking in the walls. You rented a commercial dryer <laughs> and you sucked the water out of the ceiling and so called it done. I am always of the opinion that when something like that happens, you say what happened and tell them what you did and then let somebody make their own decision about if that's a problem. And for me, I think most people would be appreciative of the honesty versus not being open. Okay. All right. I don't know. Someone was asking me this and I just said, well, what? I mean, I, I kind of asked these potential scenarios and I said, I, I think it's kind of a gray area. I don't think there's a clear dividing line and I'm not mm-hmm. sure where the right answer is. Well, we talk about one-time events and probably not being a big deal. Was it dirty water that leaked all over the floor? Was it clean water? Did you, you know, what did you do? Give me some more information. Are you trying to hide something or are you trying not to explain something? Those are the questions that come into my mind. I don't care about the water on the floor. I'm like, whatever. That's yeah. no big deal. What are you not telling me now that I know you didn't tell me about that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Now yep. I've lost confidence. And to see it from the other side, every time I'm doing a home inspection and there's any mention of a previous leak on a disclosure, mm-hmm. like from 12 years ago. You know it's bad. It, well, no, it's the, the buyers are freaked out about that. Mm. I mean, that that's their number one concern. Well, mm-hmm. we want to make sure there's no hidden mold in the wall from this leak that happened 12 years ago or whatever. And I mean, Mm -hmm. the idea of that is just absurd. 
I mean, you're not going to have mold actively growing in walls from something that happened a long time ago, especially if they had a, a restoration company come in and they gutted it and you've got documentation. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's done with. But people you are still You could have mold growing really in your walls for some it. other reason. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. ask those questions, but yes. people don't. You might yeah. have a piece of ductwork that's got a hole where it doesn't belong and now yeah, it's exactly. blowing cold air yeah, on the place you're right. that it People really work. focus on those things in disclosures and they really get worked up about them. They do. My thought is it's always kind of like a restaurant that maybe just got shut down because they had salmonella poisoning mm. or something. That's It's probably going to be really safe to eat this week. <laughs> <laughs> They're being looked at very carefully. It's You're probably even safer now than you would be otherwise. I don't know that for yeah, sure. Yeah. And when it comes to real estate disclosures, you have to disclose material facts of the house. It's that simple. Okay. And if I don't think it's a material fact and you think it's a material fact and it's a really big deal, well, somebody's going to probably make the decision on what if it was a material fact or not, some other person. It's okay. not going to be up to me anymore, and it's not going to be up to you anymore. I'm guessing that's the way this stuff all shakes out. But if you know something and you don't tell somebody, well, that's problematic. Sure. Okay. But it's a material fact. I mean, that's what the standard is. So you fill in the blank. And as I said in an earlier podcast, it's, everybody has different tastes for these kinds of things. Yeah. And you probably see that going through these disclosure agreements. How about this one? Would you disclose this? And now this one, this is me. Mm. The other ones I was making up. We were gone for a week and we come back home. One of my kids, I'll assume it was one of my kids, had not closed the shower door and the shower had not been turned off all the way. It was on just a hair. So there'd be a drop of water about every Mm. three seconds, one drop. And eventually the water... It got to be enough where it started to become a small pool on the tile right outside the shower from the splash of a single drop. And over a week's worth, it was enough to leak down between the shower and the tiled floor <laughs> and stain the kitchen ceiling. Wow. Which we just had redone and, oh, no. you know, new texture and new paint and all that. Now there's a stain right in the middle of the kitchen ceiling about <laughs> the size of a hockey puck. <laughs> Super annoying. So would that be something to to disclose? I mean, my plan is I'm going to touch it up with kills and and repaint it. But I mean, is is this a material fact? I don't know. I'm going to defer to you to make that choice. As a real estate agent, I have to disclose what I find out to be material facts. Now, that probably isn't based on the story that you just told me. But... The other side of that coin is when people don't tell about the things that happen in their houses, then they sell them and they move away. And then the neighbors come over and they're like, oh, yeah. Did Frank and Mary tell you about the time when they had the uh. fire in the house? And you're like, what? I didn't know. They didn't tell me about that. You're like, oh, yeah, there was three fire trucks out in front of the house. Sure. That always happens. Neighbors sure. always talk. No, yes. it was then, the home inspector. They left the oven on. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever it might be. But yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're going to come after me and be like, hey, I need 500 bucks off the price of this house because you told me about that, I would be very like put off that my honesty would be used against me. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big deal. It was seven years ago. I don't think you'll think it's a big deal, but I'm just telling you what I know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. Easter eggs part two are in the books. Yeah. And we even got into some real estate disclosure stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't claim to be a real estate professional at this moment. You know more than us. You know way more than us. Therefore, you are a professional. Well, I I am a real estate professional. Don't get me wrong. My real estate license is with a company that does business brokerage. So this house stuff is different. This is kind of out of my league. But the standards are the standards when it comes to disclosure. Okay. All right. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulbrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com. 